0: The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL Coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes communal approach to coaching so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant exhaustion podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, they're there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all of the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayerX. You can find them at www.slayerx.com. SlayerX is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayerX was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes and now you can enjoy those same mixes. Slayer X offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, Slayer X offers fueling products like their product Diesel which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legally enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gels, try Slayer X Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorb carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running, and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them that the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2020 at checkout on their website, and you'll get 10% off anything you purchase there. That's slayerx.com pleasant 2020 test don't guess for slayer x thanks to all of our sponsors for making the most pleasant exhaustion podcast possible Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys. I'm a college professor, and I'm Patrick Andre. I'm also an
1: endurance coach and athlete here in Atlanta. I'm somebody who likes to read smart things and talk to smart people.
2: And I'm Michelle Frank. I am an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I work full time as a CPA, and I'm a mom to three girls.
0: Right on, and we get to have a fun update about at least one of those three girls here coming up uh, towards the end of the podcast when we talk about things bearing us joy. But we'll get to that in due time. Uh, glad to see y'all once again holding it together here amidst the uh, end of the school year, going into Memorial Day weekend, still in lockdown. Still in lockdown. Hmm. Patrick, you doing all right? All right. Patrick, are you wearing that hat because we had round two of Patrick's home haircut and it didn't go well? Please tell you yes. We could say
1: that, or we could just say it's that they're encouraging talks to bring Major League Baseball back. Damn. So, glass half full, glass half empty, <laughs> however you want to look at it.
0: Right on, right <laughs> on. For for those who are listening on the podcast, and not watching us on YouTube, Patrick is wearing an Atlanta Braves hat, which I appreciate your your um, your 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 hope there, Patrick. Very good. Um, there was an article in the New York Times the other day about uh, college football and, and whether that's going to happen, and about how there's a little bit of conflict and disagreement between individual schools, the NCAA, and even the governing bodies of the university systems of different schools. Um, so we'll see what well, ends up with that. I can I can cut to the BS there. The, the schools with good football teams are are all
1: for it. Teams like my <laughs> alma mater Purdue are like, yeah, hey, we could do without
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the schools with the good sports need the revenue, so, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly, that's what it boils down to.
0: They they rely very heavily on them for sure. That's no doubt about that. Um, if you do need a sports fix, by the way, I will tell you. Um, uh, obviously, the the uh, ESPN special uh, about. Michael Jordan and about the Bulls in the 1990s got a lot of attention over the course of the last little while and I heard it was great Uh, I haven't gone back to actually watch it yet but this Sunday there's actually on ESPN going to be um, a a special called Lance Um, and it's a two-part special Mm -hmm. I think it is Uh, It's about Lance Armstrong, and it's about – they have some very candid interviews with him and with George Hincapie and Dave Zabriskie and Tyler Hamilton, uh, some of his other teammates uh, who also admitted to doping as well, about the whole systemic drug culture of the late 90s and early 2000s in cycling. Um, And um, one thing you can say – you can say all sorts of bad things about Lance Armstrong, but one thing that's undeniable about Lance Armstrong is that he has grown more candid about his past over the course of the past five or six years Um, and so I'm willing to bet based on the teaser alone that I saw on NBC Sports uh, there's probably going to be a lot of uh, real talk and a lot of details there fold in so yeah be sure to check that out if you're a fan of cycling like I am Um, if you're not a fan of cycling or if you're looking for something else to do some other media to consume we mentioned last week that we were going to start a book club we put it out there for suggestions we got how many suggestions we got like a dozen suggestions right at least oh yeah at least a dozen yeah and and we looked at a bunch of them so many in fact that we actually have now considered and we probably will end up doing like a first half of the summer book club and a second half of the club uh, summer book club uh but we decided for our first book um to read the happy runner love the process get faster run longer uh by david and megan roach um and uh you can find that um get it delivered to your house um you can get it safely in a local bookstore or something like that. Um, We're going to not read the whole thing all at once. We're going to check in with it in a couple of weeks. Um, And then maybe after about four or five weeks, we'll actually dedicate most of the podcast to actually reviewing back over the book, talking about what we liked, And we might even bring on a guest or two. If you end up reading it and feeling really strongly about it one way or another, you either really, really liked it or really, really disliked it, uh, be sure to let us know that. And maybe you can even come on and join us on the podcast and and talk about why you felt the way you did. Um, A little bit more about the book. Um, tell us more about the authors. Michelle, you, uh, you looked up a lot of stuff about the authors. Tell us about them.
2: Sure. So the Roaches are a couple, they run a team with a bunch of elite people and just a bunch of common runners, um, called the swap Team. Some work, all play. Uh, they're well known for just kind of their enthusiasm for the sport and they coach John Kelly, Katie Arnold, uh, Claire Gallagher, Amelia Boone, who's been, you know, in the news a lot lately for all of her struggles with eating disorders and obstacle racing and ultra running. So the book came out maybe a year or two ago, and it has definitely been praised and lauded by just about everybody who I would turn to for a recommendation for a running book. So I don't know that one of us actually threw it in the pool for this book club, but once it came up, it just seemed like the obvious choice. There's some other you know, good discussions that we had about other books, but I think anything with the word happy and running in it right now uh, <laughs> kind of suits most of us. So
0: absolutely, We're yeah, I to totally go with that with for you our that. first choice. I totally agree with you on that. And and I, uh, the person who suggested it was actually Erin Weddy, who we've had on the podcast before. Uh, right about a year ago, she came on and talked about the challenges of doing the Dopey Challenge, um, the, where you do four races over the course of four days in Disney World, uh, climaxing with the uh, the Disney World Marathon. Um, and so, so yeah, she actually gave the, the suggestion for that. So shout out to Aaron Weddy. We really appreciate uh, you're doing that for us. And uh, we look forward to, to, to reading the book. Patrick, what, what do you want to add about the book? Anything? Uh, I'll just echo Michelle's point that, I
1: mean, we had a lot of great uh, nominees. It was kind of interesting because when we first posted on Facebook and social media for some suggestions, I expected that we would get like two or three just over and over again. And we kind of see an obvious winner. Mm -hmm. But it it was pretty apparent that asking people for their favorite running book or a running book to cover was almost like asking someone's favorite band. Like everyone had something new to offer. Like everyone had something that was very kind of personal to them and said, hey, this is a fantastic book that helped me at this point in my life or my running journey. So it was fantastic to see just the great response we got from everybody. Um, And I do think running is almost like baseball where it's kind of a literary sport. Like it's something that's kind of, you know, the the kind of internal, you know, emotions are are very kind of tied to the sport itself and kind of what people, what draws people to the sport, what people find beautiful about the sport. And so I think that's part of why we got such a great response is it is such an internal sport. It's such an individualistic sport, something that goes beyond just like the box score, so to speak. I mean, heck, we don't even really have a box score in running. Um, and then the reason we chose this book is because just like Michelle said, I mean, what better, you know, subject to focus on than how running brings us happiness right now. Right now, we don't really need to do a deep dive into like the muscles and fibers that go into running. We need to focus on the happiness it brings. Like, you know, there's a time and place to do to do a deep dive into like the scientific journals and like a, the meta-analysis, et cetera. But then there's also a time to just say, you know what, this brings me joy just because it does. Because I'm a, for me, at least I'm a, simplistic animal apparently who you know loves the oldest sport there is and so now's the time to just kind of take a step back and cherish it and this book i think is one that will help us do that
0: right on right on yeah michelle and and uh, to an even greater degree patrick wanted a book that would apply to our lives outside of running as much as it applies to our lives inside of running um and so that that that's in large part why we chose this one as well michelle what was the name of the group that the Roches are the head of again
2: called Swap Team. Some mm-hmm. work, all play. They use the acronym SWAP. They have a Facebook group. They have a website. Um, they're just pretty well known. They coach road road running, uh, trail ultra running, and a bunch of obstacle racers also. Right, from cool. the elite level down to you know people that take 36, 40 hours to run a 100 mile race. So right, um, cool. I think they have a wide range of experience. They are both former USATF trail runners of the year uh, within the last six or seven years, each of them. Megan's a doctor, Um, David went to Columbia and I think he did law school at Duke. I mean, they're very smart people, they're very good runners, and I think they just do a good job of bringing it all together for a variety of endurance sports.
0: Very cool, very cool. I'm excited about it, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, check out their Facebook page and, and maybe, and, you know, they, if they have the citizens. I don't group, know if they'll family. let you in so, there. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. So, so I don't know. I, I, I had some really not great online uh, exchanges earlier this week, but we can talk about those later on. So yeah, so we'll you see. asked for that. So, so yeah, I did. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so we're looking forward to that. One thing I will mention. Um, so Patrick said that, the the. Uh, there were books that a lot of people mentioned that had meant a lot to them. And it was, we had a, what I thought was a really good conversation. Um, and it's the second conversation I've had, uh, of this ilk over the course of the past months about once a runner. Um, and I read once a runner when I was in high school and Patrick and I have talked about it on the podcast before and about how much we both liked the book and all that sort of thing. Um, and it meant a lot to me when I read it and I was just coming along as a runner at age 17 in a high school and in a community that very heavily valued football. Uh, And to read a book where the heroes and frankly, the way they were portrayed, the better people in the book were the runners and all the people who supported like the football players and the football players themselves were not the real athletes and were not very good people and all that sort of thing. That was really important for me to read. And I appreciated that. Um, uh, That that was something that I very much needed. So
2: that was good for when you were 17 and you're a little bit older now. So we wanted to dive into something a little bit more, you know. Today.
0: Exactly. And, that, and that's exactly the point that I was going to make is that I think it was really, really, really good for for 17 year old George. Um, and it meant a lot to me, but that doesn't mean it was the right book choice for this particular book club in 2020. So, um, so, so yeah, um, by all means, if you have somebody that is a, a young man, that's growing up in, in, <laughs> in high school and just budding as a runner and, and feels pressure to do other sports and, and is internalizing the met- messages that he's not a real athlete, he's some sort of clown because the real athletes do football and maybe basketball or baseball, uh, by all means, point him to once a runner. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, this one, I think, um, the the book we chose is a much better choice. So yeah, again, the name of the book, uh, for those of you who missed it before, it's called The Happy Runner, Love the Process, Get Faster, Run Longer by David and Megan Roach. Uh, check it out get yourself a copy and we will, uh, start reading that ASAP. My copy arrives tomorrow. Um, Patrick, tell us what we're going to be talking about tonight. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about, um, you know, so just to kind of
1: backtrack a little bit, we haven't done too many kind of subject uh, episodes recently where we just kind of took a deep dive into a single subject. Um, So today we wanted to kind of go over the the topic or the subject of how to reframe or how to rethink uh, your training uh, in times of uncertainty, right? I mean, I would say most of the questions that I get right now as a coach, and even just as a runner, the questions I get from coworkers who are trying to figure out what to do with themselves as they're working from home or maybe have more free time than they want is how do you approach running now that you don't have a race that you're training for specifically, and you don't know when we can get back to racing. So we want to just talk through some options that people can kind of walk through or these people can kind of think about when they want to determine, okay, I don't have this driving force of a Boston marathon, an Atlanta marathon, or even a Peachtree road race that says, Hey, I'm eight weeks out from a race. I'm six weeks out from a race. So without that driving force, without that kind of end goal, how do you motivate yourself and how do you frame your, your training and your running in a way that's productive and it keeps you running, that keeps you happy to kind of use the term from the book and keeps you engaged because really the number one philosophy that we have, you know, at ITL and out this podcast is consistency trumps intensity every time. I mean, the the real goal for any runner, really the real goal for a coach when interacting with their runners is to increase their consistency. You know, we're not all, we don't always have great runs all the time, but as long as we are consistently running, consistently training, that trumps the highs and lows of someone who, you know, blows it out for a week or a month and then takes a long time off. So we just want to talk through how we each individually are kind of reframing our goals and reframing our approach so that, you know, it keeps us motivated and it gives us something to, you know, get us out the door and get us excited about running. And you know allows us to set up running as a, a positive force in our life again, now that we can't, as I said, use that race as a driving force. And so we just want to go through a few options that we've considered, go over some pros and cons to each option, so that people can listen and say, you know what, you know, this is an approach that I can take. This is a new set of goals that I can adopt in my own training, or this is a new or maybe somebody can listen to what we have to say and they don't have to adopt the same approach as we do, but it might get them thinking about, okay, this is what I enjoy about running. Here's the, the approach I want to take this summer while we are in this time of uncertainty. And if you just keep getting them um, moving, because that's the real goal here is just to always be moving and always be moving forward in your training and in your fitness.
0: Right on, right on. So um, I think it, it, it's also because the three of us are doing three different things. <laughs> so yeah. so in, in order to keep moving, in order to keep tra- training, the three of us have done three different things. And so, so Michelle, we've talked, we've talked about what all three of us have done sort of briefly, but, but we wanted to sort of formalize it, if you will, this time around. So Michelle, we'll start with you. What did, what, what did you decide to do and, and why did you decide to do it that way?
2: Sure. So I decided to refocus um, and put something very specific on the calendar in a time trial format. I realized after Boston called the marathon that I wanted to keep up the mileage. um, But it became a little bit of a problem once kind of the main trail system that I use shut down. I didn't have as much access to the soft surfaces and as I kept trying to just keep the mileage where it was, but all my runs were either, you know, on asphalt or the treadmill, it just sort of started to wear me down a little bit. So um, I picked a time trial, a shorter distance, 10 K Uh, Cut the mileage a little bit, added in a little bit more strength, puts me on the track. Gosh, I have to go there three times this week, maybe only two times. It's just different. So it changed it up for me and also gave me a point of reference from, I'm going to start now and 10 weeks from now, I'm going to run this distance um, at this location and I can do it, you know, regardless of what the coronavirus situation is. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm really happy to just have something defined and a defined training plan for this one resistance.
0: Right on. Yeah. Michelle, I feel like you, you kind of took, you, you were probably the person who took something like, like you replaced what you didn't have with something of your own creation. Does that make sense? Like, like you, you, you're probably the, the, the one of the three of us that, that made the biggest apples to apples change.
2: Well, um, I mean, yeah. you guys are kind of, sometimes I think you guys are in La La Land, but you guys got to run marathons <laughs> in March.
0: Yeah. No. Right. I, so you guys I'm, I'm got your marathon in. It. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And so
2: you just do whatever you want. Cause you got a, a race in this year. I mean, I mm. haven't raced a marathon since December, 2018. So yeah. if this is what it looks like now, um, I also wanted something that would be sort of a lead in to marathon training over the summer. If Boston does happen in September, I'm going to maintain my it's not happening in September, but just in case it does, Mm-hmm. I wanted something to get me to a point where you know I could use what I'm doing in this 10K buildup and it wouldn't take away from the marathon build if I have mm-hmm. to go into that over the summer. So um,
0: right
2: well, I didn't yeah, love no, the I... five mile cut down yesterday. 20, how many laps did I run around the track? 20 laps. <laughs>
0: Great. I, I, in oh, preparation who? for your 25 lap race around the track? Yeah, that makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah,
2: I really, <laughs> I liked my ignorance is bliss <laughs> uh, approach, but um, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, Michelle, had you run a ten k around the track before? I've never. I mean, he made me do a five mile cut down yesterday. It wasn't terribly fast, but it was just it was so boring and long. So um, the,
0: the the reason why I made you do that, Michelle, uh, and the reason why the reason why I made you that, the reason why I put that on your schedule. Um, it's because we all know that George doesn't make Michelle do anything, um, but but the reason why I put that on your schedule is because I remember very clearly doing those runs when I was in high school or in college, mm-hmm. and then and then doing a ten k on the track and calling back to those runs um, running running around a 10k around the track is it's just a different animal as we talked about before because you never really get that break of turning a corner or going slightly down a hill or something else like that and so so you need a little bit of a taste of what that's like
2: yeah Um, i thought a few times yesterday you know three and a half miles four miles like i could just stop i could pause my watch and restart you'd have no idea (laughs) but i just kept going because i figure when it comes to the time trial i'm not going to stop and start but um it seemed like a lot of laps around the track.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so. it is. It seems it is. like it because it is yeah. <laughs> right? <Yeah. So>. 25 <laughs> laps around the track is a long way to go, but, but I, I think you're going to do great. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, I, um, I, I don't take for granted the fact that I got to race. Uh, I, I, I appreciate that very, very much that, that on March 8th, I was able to, to squeeze in a race before everything just, I mean, literally shut down a week later. Um, the race that I was able to run is the race that everybody pointed at and said, well, LA got to do it. And so, so, I, yeah. so I do get that. And I think that that puts, puts Patrick and me in a very different place from, from, from where you and a lot of other people are. Um, I saw, you know, you and I, I think, um, were in a conversation. Um, Michelle, I don't know if you, if you weighed in on the conversation, but it was on the Fast Women Facebook page that both you and I are members on. Um, and the, uh, a woman basically said on there, I was preparing for Boston and then Boston didn't happen. And I just kind of kept on running, kept doing long runs. I just said, now I kind of really feel like I'm breaking down here. Well, yeah, I, I
2: mean, there's a reason yeah. why the marathon build is, you know, I mean, some people could probably get away with eight to 10 weeks, but 12 to mm-hmm. 16 weeks, yeah. and then you have to peak and kind of take a step back. So
0: But, but it, was, it, was, it. Yeah. it was it was interesting because, you know, and I, I commented on there, I, I said, you have to remember that when you take a recovery at the end of uh, after a race, you're not just recovering from the race you're recovering from the entire build. Right. Um, and, right. And this particular runner, and I totally get where she's coming from. She didn't feel as if she could take a recovery period because she didn't get to have her big climactic grace. And right. I said, I said, go to a time trial this weekend, you know, do a drop taper this week, go to a time trial this weekend and then, and then take your recovery and and let all these things that are starting to bother you and and, and the mental breakdown you're experiencing, you know, Take that time, recover, and then start building up for a race that will hopefully happen, you know, sometime later on in the calendar. But um, I also yeah.
2: think we're seeing a lot of distance runners go for maybe a shorter distance. I know McCurdy Trained has mm-hmm. a virtual mile. I know Northern Arizona Elite. I mean, the times were nothing to write home about, but they all went out and did a 5K time trial last week, and you were mm-hmm. able to follow that on social media. So. Mm-hmm. You can go bust out that one mile, you know, 5K time trial type of thing every few weeks, and it's not going to wear you down. But if you keep on going 20, 22, you know, three miles, three-hour runs every single week, like you're in the middle of a marathon build, I mean, I don't think anybody should be doing that now because there's really no marathon happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, agree. it was a good approach for me. I mean, I think hopefully it works out.
0: <laughs> and and, so, and I think the- – okay, one of the
1: points that you were hitting on too with your approach and the approach of the, you know, Northern Arizona Elite club is now's the time to try something different. Right. Yeah. A lot of us get on a schedule where it's like, all right, I want to do Boston in the spring. I want to do a fall marathon. And you kind of just get into the rhythm where you're like, all right, I do a marathon every year, or I do an Ironman every year or a half Ironman every year. But now's the chance to be like, you know what? I ran a mile in, in high school. And I want to beat that or I want to see if I can match that in in some way. Or I just want to try something totally different, like a 10K on a track, something like that. So that's certainly one approach to say, hey, I can't recreate a marathon or recreate a half marathon or kind of my standard approach. So heck, let's do something entirely new.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with it. So we're, we're not the only people doing these things. Um, uh, Very notably thinking about like shifting out one thing for another. Uh, There's an ultra runner that we've talked about on the podcast for named Zach Bitter. Um, Zach Bitter uh, last year, you recall, set a new 100 mile record. Um, He ran 11 and a half hours basically for 100 miles and he did it on an indoor track uh, in Wisconsin or in Minnesota, I think it was. Good God. Oh yeah, no, incredible, right? So we talked about him before. So Zach Bitter was originally set up this fall to actually do what was called Ultra London. And Ultra London is a race where you do a 100 mile race, and it's also around a track. So, speaking of a lot of laps around a track, that would be 400 laps around the track, um, and and of course he was or be more than that, I guess, because you need that those extra eight eight meters per mile. Um, but uh, but anyway, he was set up for that, and it like all the other events, the spring got canceled, and so Zach Bitter last week said, "All right, well, what can I do instead of of Ultra London? Well, the current." 100 mile treadmill record is about 12 and a half hours. He said, I think I can beat that. And so Zach Bitter got on a treadmill in his house and he zoomed the whole time. And he had all these like famous ultra runners and not so famous ultra runners coming in and supporting him along the way. Uh, And lots of fans over there to cheer him on along the way. Uh, And when it was all said and done, he ran 12 hours, nine minutes and 15 seconds for a new 100 mile treadmill record. Um, And he got
2: on two treadmills, right? Not just one treadmill in his house.
0: Yeah. No, the, the, <laughs> the logistics of it are kind of interesting. Cause yeah, he has two, treadmills and he went, he went back and forth between the two treadmills because he didn't want either one of them to auto shut down, um, in the middle of his run. Um, 718 per mile is was, was, was what his average mile was. But any of you who have done ultra sports know that that that's your average mile for your total elapsed time. And so it counts the time that you are not moving. Um, right. He did take a few minutes off the treadmill from time to time in order to to gather himself to use the bathroom at one point around 80 miles. He went into a bathroom and kind of composed himself and ate a bag of chips, uh, which was the only solid food he actually ate the whole time. Zach Bitter is actually known for, for um, not fueling very heavily throughout the course of his runs. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, he uh, he. Alternated back and forth, he said he would run a few miles over seven minutes and a few miles under seven minutes and a few miles over seven minutes. He was playing with the inclines in order to try and stretch his hips and hamstrings out a little bit because he thought it would be too monotonous if he kept it flat the whole time. Um, and so, yeah, in the end, 12.09, what'd I say, 12.09.15 uh, ended up being his, his his new 100-mile treadmill record. So, just like Michelle, he had this one goal and he said, well, I can't do that one, but I'm fit. I, this is what I'm trained for. Let me substitute this this other thing in the place. He was successful. You're going to be successful too, Michelle.
2: So, did he beat the previous record by over 20 minutes? Is he that... beat it
0: by 21 minutes and 21 seconds.
2: That's pretty legit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very <laughs> he's cool. He's fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's he's the real deal. <laughs> so, so two 100 mile records, one on a treadmill and and one just outright. Uh, uh, he's no flash in the pan. So, yeah. So, congrats <laughs> to Zach Bitter there. Um, Patrick, tell us about your approach. How you're yeah. So i
1: yeah, so I'm almost taking a bit of the opposite approach of Michelle and for, for reasons that she actually talked about before where I was able to get a marathon in the spring, didn't really have one scheduled for the fall or wasn't really sure what I was going to do. So I kind of took the long view approach or the kind of the long range approach to say, you know what, um, instead of doing time trials or having a race goal over the summer or fall, I just want to keep it easy, easy running. And I just want to use this period as a bit of a transition period to build a base for a potential spring race, hopefully Boston, fingers crossed. Um, And they'll say, you know what? I haven't had a chance to not race really ever Uh, throughout my running career, whether it was high school, college, et cetera, I would have a big race in the spring and a big race in the fall. And I've never had just a full year to train for something or to just have an off season just to do easy running. So I decided, you know what? Instead of doing like track workouts and, and, you know, long runs and things like that, I'm just going to do easy runs and medium long runs and focus on building up my mileage. So kind of my big goal or my big metric that I'm building to or building towards and kind of focusing on this summer is how many miles I get to run. Um, You know, so it's almost like back to, you know, summer training in high school. For those of you who remember back in like the 90s and early 2000s when high school runners were just obsessed about how many miles they run over the summer. Um, so I'm just taking that approach. And it, the benefit for me is kind of multifaceted. One, since I'm not running hard, a lot less likelihood of injury. And, you know, I certainly don't want to have to go to a doctor's office right now for a recreational sport. Um, it also allows me to kind of just take a bit more of a stress-free approach to running. Because I could start a run and say, I'll run somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half. and That's all the planning I need to do. You know, I'm not having to kind of hit times or hit splits or kind of make sure that I – you know, get in my 25 laps around the track or kind of make sure I hit my splits for each of the 25 laps. So that's really been my approach is just to kind of scale back and, you know, use it as a way to kind of uh, use it as a very much just a relaxing mechanism moving forward. And then the other kind of benefit to me, and where this is, I think, is, you know, especially beneficial to me and something, you know, others might want to consider is probably my biggest weakness as a long distance runner in the half marathon and marathon is the lack of easy mileage or the kind of relative lack of easy mileage. You know, when you comparatively speak, when you look at how many miles I've run, how much I've trained on the track, how much I've trained for the mile and the 5K in high school and college, then how much, you know, I was running kind of short, low mileage earlier in my marathon career. But now's a chance to say, you know what, I want to take try a different approach and just kind of build that base. And, you know, the base building is something that takes months it's not something where you say, okay, I have a marathon in eight weeks. So I want to kind of put in the easy runs now or the easy mileage now to build up that base. That's something that develops over months and years. And so if I don't have any short term goals I need to kind of gear towards or focus on, I can kind of play the long game and just run the easy mileage. So it's really kind of fit in very nicely for me. So that's been my focus, you know, moving forward is saying, you know what, instead of focusing on time, or pace or you know goal you know race pace i'm just focusing on mileage just Mm -hmm. keeping it simple
0: yeah in the same way that i feel like 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 i said before michelle kind of made the biggest one-to-one replacement i think you are are, have made the most go off in the opposite direction (laughs) right (laughs) like like, Mm -hmm. like you're just like you know what forget all of it throw it away i'm just going to make this my off season You know, um, and I I think that's Mm -hmm. good for all the reasons you just described, but it's definitely a much different approach from the one that I've taken and and, and different from the approach that that Michelle has taken. Um, You know, I I joked when when all of these marathons started getting moved to the fall that I was like, hey, we're all going to be training for marathons together over the summer. Maybe not. Um, Maybe not. So, We'll still have to see. But I will say uh, some other kind of news that happened this week might increase the number of people you get to train with here over the summer, people that are going to be building their base over the summer, Patrick. uh, And that would be that Kona was postponed. Um, so, so, you know, initially you had all these, uh, long course triathletes who might have been getting ready right now and trying to peak for an early October world championship Ironman. Uh, and instead Kona was pushed all the way back until February 6th. Um, so they pushed that back. How many months is that? Four months, um, four months. Mm -hmm. so, So all of those people who were starting to really turn the screws, um, are getting ready to start, start turning the screws to start doing some real heavy Ironman training, um, they're going to put that off now and they're, they're instead going to do a little bit more base building and, and instead get ready to turn the screws over the winter um, or over the North American winter, I should say. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, when, when, when we first got that news, uh, uh michelle i i texted (laughs) to michelle and michelle texted me back and said isn't that going to mess up everybody's training and i said
2: (laughs) not for the people in australia (laughs)
0: exactly so those of us who live in north america (laughs) can get to see what it's like to have to train for the ironman world championships in the winter like the australians have to do every year Um, so the
2: question is is do a lot of the you know elite north american triathletes go to australia or new zealand for training camp for months and then just come back for kona i think that's
0: I think, Probably I, think we'll, they we'll will. See. I think, I think they will. Yeah. Um, all the, all these Europeans and all these folks that live like in Boulder and stuff like that. Yeah. Sure. I think they're, they're going to go. Some, I mean, the or, pool at Hawaii. rally
2: sports is pretty cold in the winter. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is funny. I've, I've had a conversation with several people about like, okay, so if New York can't happen in November, if they decide that the November 1st, I think is when New York is supposed to be maybe November 3rd, it's that first weekend in November. Um, uh, if, if New York can't happen that first weekend in November, um, will they, you know, will they postpone it? And I was like, well, they they can't postpone it to March because it's still too cold in New York in March. There's still potentially snow on the ground in March and that sort of thing. So, you know, uh, same thing kind of for Berlin, I would imagine, even though I've never spent any winters in Berlin, I'm not sure. Um, so we should also mention here, um, there are some races that are actually starting to come back onto the calendar um, you know, we, 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 talk about how there's, there's, the racing is uncertain, but there's at least two races that we know of that, that are coming on the calendar here in the next couple of weeks. One of them's local. I actually got an email, um, today, um, from, uh, Dirty Spokes, um, which is a race management company in the Southeast. Um, and I've done a couple of their trail races before, and they have a trail race the weekend of, uh, July or June 6th. Um, and so it's a 9.1 or 4.5 mile race. Um, and they sent an email out last week basically saying we plan to go forward with this race. And they sent out one this week that said, okay, we're planning to go forward with the race, but here is the 20 different things that we plan to be doing or actually the what 13 different things that we plan to be doing, um, uh, that are changing the way we're actually going out managing the race in order to make it safer. Um, and some of them are kind of no brainers, like they're not having an award ceremony, for example. Um, they're not giving high fives or hugs at the finish line, even though that's kind of a real big part of their brand and of trail running and ultra running in general. Um, they're using wave starts, so they're not gathering everybody all together at the start. Uh, they're encouraging people to do face masks. They're, they're um, trying to enforce social distancing both in the big open field uh, where the start is and of course at uh, all the check-in. They're opening check-in early so and so that people can, won't all kind of rush in at the same time um, and be all crowded together and all that sort of thing um so they're not selling any merchandise on the race day they have hand sanitizer all uh, all sorts of things like that um and so so yeah they're doing all sorts of other things um they also another race that's gotten a lot of attention that, that's going back is one of the spartan races in uh jacksonville michelle tell us about that one
2: yeah, so Spartan came out and basically said that they were gonna start their races again down in Florida. Um, they you know, interviewed the director and he was quoted as basically saying, if you're too afraid to live a Spartan life due to a virus, then you're already dead. We have procedures in place to make a Spartan event safer than going grocery shopping, going to Starbucks, or going in an elevator. So it's a pretty bold statement from a race director. Um, they plan to have about 4,000 people at the event. They've taken away some of the obstacles that might be more um, you know, Jeremy. inclusive of, yeah, Jeremy uh, <laughs> spreading the virus. But that statement in and of itself, I think, really undermines the severity of coronavirus and what everybody's dealing with, and just with the mass number of people. And honestly, it just seems like a general disregard for science and all the recommendations. And just like Dirty Spokes, they put in a ton of, you know, um, changes that they're making to mitigate the risks, but it almost just seems unfathomable that these risks are really going to be mitigated. I mean, if you think about a trail race and coming to the finish line, like people not being able to high five or hug, or they even said for the dirty spokes race that people are supposed to stay six feet apart, even on the trails. So what happens if you need to pass somebody, like you're going to maintain social distancing, you're going to let them move out of the way so that you can run past. I mean, I don't, and with the obstacle racing, even more so. Mm -hmm. um, People just topple one another on those races. So I won't be signing up for a Spartan race, (laughs) but it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, I think these race directors intentions are in the right place. People want to get back on a starting line. People want the camaraderie. People want to be with other people. I just think they're taking a pretty big risk to be the first ones back out there.
0: Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want lump Dirty Spokes and Spartan together too much, um, um, because I, I do agree that the the Dirty Spokes will see, will see how well the different things that they want to try and do get, how well they pull them off. Do you know what I mean? Um, and because, yeah, because I mean Spartan I,
2: definitely has the you know egotistical. Yeah. Like, if you can't handle us. Right. And see, and that, us.
0: and that makes me feel like honestly, that that makes me feel like they're not really going to care whether you do it or not and and in fact if 100%. you dis, and if you disregard their guidelines well good they that makes care. you more of a spartan right. you know what i'm saying yeah. and so so yeah. i feel like i feel like dirty spokes isn't isn't approaching it with that same sort of swagger and ugliness that spartan sure that i think i was
2: just yeah. more equating the yeah. Yeah. um you know precautionary measures that each mm-hmm. group has put in place to try mm-hmm. to mitigate the risks but mm-hmm. Again, I mean, Spartan is definitely acting as if they're kind of a rebel without a cause, I -hmm. think, in this return to racing and just with the statements that the director made. And there's a Mm -hmm. video on YouTube if you want to watch him. Say what he said yourself. So
0: yeah, I, we'll I, see I feel, how it goes. I feel like Spartan is they're they're basically trying to effectively recruit to do their race the people who think it's all a hoax and it's all overblown and and, and all sure. that sort of thing. and there I, are I think, plenty of
2: those people. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, th- I think they're just like we can get four thousand of those people to come to Jacksonville in a couple of weekends. And
2: they're um, probably right. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, I should say also, dirty spokes one of their things. They're also offering a virtual um, option as well. Um, they're offering free late cancellations. So, so you can go ahead and sign up. And then if you like, you know what, I just don't feel good about it. Uh, when, when race day rolls around, um, you, you can, you can cancel and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, you know, IFC, um, and I mentioned this to you or UFC, I guess it is, um, uh, ultimate fighting championship, uh, had a match this past weekend and they put in place this long set of guidelines. Um, and, and, uh, that were supposed to govern their, their, their match, um, including the fact that they tested all of the fighters. And one of the testers fighters actually tested positive and ended up not, not therefore competing. They canceled that match. But, um, but among other things, they said, they said, uh, there's going to be no in ring post fight interview after the main event. That's like a big part of of UFC. Um, and they also, there's going to be no shaking hands and no high-fiving or anything else like that. And so as soon as the main event ends, Joe Rogan hops into the ring and (laughs) interviews the winner. Um, and then, and so the winner's kind of talking to him, all that sort of thing. And his hands are really bloody and that sort of thing. And Joe Rogan reaches out to shake his hand when the interview is done. And the guy goes to give him a fist bump and Joe Rogan grabs his hand and says, no, you can shake my hand. I'm not worried about any blood. And and the actual fighter said something to the effect of, yeah, but the virus is a lot worse than blood dude or something. Um, and so it's, it's just, I'm, I'm really interested to see how well. Um, These things actually work in implementation because you can you can write them down, but but you have to actually enforce them to make them have any any real um, impact. So um, I just I'm I'm not confident that Spartans gonna given the attitude of the leader of the organization. I'm not confident Spartans gonna really enforce their rules all that heavily.
2: Yeah Um, Anyone who has that blatant of a disregard for science is sort of just off my radar is anybody that I would want to follow anything.
0: So we went off the rails just a little bit there um, <laughs> in talking about um, a reframing approach and that sort of thing. So let's talk about the way that I'm actually reframing it. So Michelle actually took, um, went from having like one thing on the calendar. that she's gearing all of her training for, she puts another thing on the calendar. and she gears all her training towards that. Cool, good. Patrick basically said, I'm just going to just go ahead and start my off season now and I'm going to train with no big goal in mind, just going to build up my mileage and build up my aerobic engine and all that sort of thing. That's cool too, that's good. Uh, mine has been to really go after a lot of virtual challenges, um, and I've gotten more into them as time has actually gone on here. I was telling somebody today that I realized last week that I've actually done more group workouts over the course of the last couple of months than I had like in the year prior to that. I do a lot of training by myself, and I've been doing all these virtual group workouts now. Um, and it's been great. I've actually really, really enjoyed them. Um, right now, I'm in the midst of doing a tour of Sufferlandria, which is a nine-day uh, uh, virtual cycling event that's uh, put on by the Sufferfest. They normally put it on, or they do put it on in February as a fundraiser for the Davis Finney Foundation, which supports Parkinson's research, um, but I wasn't able to do it then because I was a month out from Marathon, so I'm doing it now alongside a couple of guys that I know from my Blue Ridge Relay team. Um, today, we did stage, let's see, we started on Sunday, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So today I did stage four. And then I'll go through a Memorial Day. Memorial Day will be the last day. And so the, the hardest day, the Queen's Day, will be on Memorial Day. Um, and then as soon as that's over, starting on Memorial Day and going for 15 weeks until Labor Day is the Coast to Coast Cycling Challenge, which I mentioned last week on the podcast. Um, 15 weeks, 105 days to Ride as much as you can, and virtually you'll be put on a map on I 40 going from Wilmington, North Carolina, towards Barstow, California. Uh, you can stop in, I think, Knoxville, Tennessee. You can stop in Oklahoma City. You can stop in Albuquerque, which is where I plan to stop after 1,875 miles, um, or you can go all the way to Barstow, California, which is 2,400 miles. Um, If you want to be on my convoy, if you want to be on my team, I mentioned this last week. Let me know. We're currently how many people are on
2: that convoy?
0: Seventeen people are on that convoy, and that's not big enough yet because we're still smaller than the Peloton Singles group. Wow. So, so the Pelotons—it's not that sad. The Peloton (laughs) Single group is currently larger than us. That's okay. Um, We wait. uh, You mean like. A group of single people, uh, like they use the Peloton app, or yes, am I mishearing that? that? That's, that uh, I'm, I'm presuming that's what the Peloton singles group is. Yeah. Is that's that
2: group set up as like a dating group, like a dating app, but Peloton? I don't,
0: <laughs> I don't know. They're about to be set up as a second largest team in the Coast to Coast Cycling Challenge oh. behind so, Team Road Trip. So how Trip? many more
2: people do we need to get you on towards so,
0: team? Uh, we basically need to double the size of it. So <laughs> no I, big deal. I well, we can do it. We can do it. So so folks, if you are planning to ride a bike this summer. Sign up for the Coast to Coast Virtual Cycling Challenge here. We get on team road trip here and, and, and help us get across the United States and, of course, beat the Peloton Singles Group. Um, so, so that's another thing I'm doing, but that, but that kind of motivates me and, and gets me on the bike and, and helps me connect with other people, which, again, has been a big part of, of this whole thing for me. Um, Virtual Ram is gonna be this summer, which we talked a little bit about. The uh, Race Across America for the first time is going to be virtual, and it's gonna be on Full Gaz, which is a cycling, online cycling platform that I really, really like a lot. Don't forget to tune in for our podcast in a week or two about all the great virtual cycling platforms that we've been reviewing over the course of the last little while here. Um, But Virtual Ram, Virtual Race Across America starts on uh, June 16th, like it normally would, and it's gonna go through uh, June 28th, so 12 days of Virtual Ram. Um, and you get to race 3000 miles across the country. Um, if you want to, uh, over the course of that 12 days, or you could do 900 miles across the country. Um, and they basically give you a route and they just say, um, you have to do, if you're doing all race across America, you have to do these. 150 rides in order. So ride one, ride two, ride three. And you, and it just, as long as it takes you to get through all of these virtual rides, Once you do it through with all of them, you're finished with virtual Ram and that's your time. And that goes under the the, the results board. Um, But then they also have, and they've never had this before, um, but they're able to do this because it's virtual. um, A 12 day challenge where you do one route a day for 12 days. um, And the routes are about an hour a piece, basically. And so I'm going to do that for 12 days, um, be a part of virtual Ram, the first ever virtual race across America. Um, I'm. Probably going to do a Knights of Sufferlandria challenge in late July, which would involve doing ten sufferfest workouts in a single day. Oh my gosh. I'm going to let that set in for you, for Michelle, for just a second.
2: Are 10 you ever going to run
0: again? A day. I, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm, I'm signed up for that. The the Nikki. Hilton five k. Oh, on, which on, on by the which, way, which, which reopened. just reopened their right. registration after they got so many great registrations, undoubtedly because you know we plugged it here on the podcast. Oh, yes. um, but uh, they actually had to shut it down they reopened registration but they're like sorry y'all we're totally out of t-shirts and we just can't get any more Um, but you can still sign up and do the virtual 10k and be a part of the uh the the, uh supporting the trevor project there so so yeah so yes i am going to run again but like all the stuff i'm lining up right now are cycling challenges because i just feel more confident about my ability to to ride a bike whereas you know last time i tried to run i was injured and i couldn't complete the challenge so I'm probably going to do a Knights of Sufferlandria challenge though, which involves doing 10 Sufferfest workouts over the course of a day. Uh, I'm looking for partners to do that with me too. So if that's something that ever has fascinated you and you think will be uh, ready to do it by the end of July, let me know. I have at least one other person that I pretty much convinced and the two guys I'm doing the Tour of Sufferlandria with right now are about halfway convinced, but give me a few more stages and they will be on board. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. And I haven't even told you this one, Michelle.
2: What else are you possibly doing?
0: I'm thinking about doing a virtual Everesting.
2: Oh, that sounded awful based on what I read about, what's his name that did it?
0: Phil Guymon. That's what inspired it.
2: So where are you going to do it? Like, do you have a hill picked out?
0: No, I would do it virtually. I would do it on Zwift. There is a virtual version. All right. So <sighs> let's quickly talk about Phil Guyman. Let's talk about what Everesting is. Wait,
2: but Phil Guyman didn't do virtually, did he? He, he, didn't, he didn't do it
0: virtually. He did, he did a, an actual he did, hill. He did an actual hill. Yeah. So Phil Gaiman, who, who I don't think we've talked about Phil Guyman on this podcast before. He's a, he's a former pro cyclist. Um, and, and, He retired from cycling a few years ago. He did a lot of training in North Georgia. I've actually retired. So exactly, yeah. I've I've actually raced him a couple of times. Um, One of the real funny things about about cycling is that um, every now and then a pro will just show up at a group ride or will just show up at the local road race and just annihilate the field. Um, And so I've actually been in a couple of races with Phil Guyman before because, you know, I signed up for this Georgia Cup road race expecting to be me and a bunch of other dudes from the metro Atlanta area. And frickin' pro cyclist Phil Guyman shows up and just murders the field. Which Um, means you
2: can't win it and you're very upset.
0: Oh, no, no, not well. Okay, yeah, maybe um, back then. But, but I think my being upset about not having a chance to beat a pro was offset by I get to race against a pro, you know, which is sure. not something you really get to do in a lot of sports. But anyway, um, so Phil Gaiman retired a few years ago, and he took it on himself after he retired to start going around and taking back the Strava segments that different people had uh, set KOMs on that were dodgy. Um, so, either the people were, were doping themselves, were actually using form enhancing drugs, or they had done it like on e-bikes or something else like that. And he said, all right, I'm a pro cyclist, I have all this time on my hand, I'm a strong guy, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start taking back all of these KOMs from all of these people that, that have uh, gotten them improperly on Strava. Um, and so he ended up getting a lot of followers that were following along with him doing it. And so he ended up pointing at the worst retirement ever and he created a hashtag and all that sort of thing. And then he said, all right, I'm going to try and raise hundred thousand dollars for this charity called no kid hungry, um, which feeds kids, uh, uh, hungry kids in the United States. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to try and do that. So sort of along these same lines, he decided last week that he was going to do this everesting challenge. Now, what string means is that you basically, over the course of a single workout, um, and it would usually obviously be a very long workout, but over the course of a single day or a single workout or a single race, single challenge, you get the elevation gain of Mount yes. Everest, which is 29,029 feet, um, which is just short of 9,000 meters, right? Um, and, and so basically what you have to do is you have to go up and down a hill in order to do that. <laughs> Um, and if you go up a long, gradual hill, you're not going to be able to do it because you don't get enough elevation gain. So you have to go up a, a hill that's steep enough that that you will actually amass a lot of elevation gain, but yet it's, it's not so steep that it's going to completely wipe you out before you're able to get 29,029 feet, right? Um, and so Phil Gaiman, Gaiman went out and did it on the Mountain Gate Ridge Road, um, which is a little bit over a half mile, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's about 11%. He would get about, uh, about 450 feet or about 146 meters each time he went up. Right. Um, um it's about 920 meters for those of y'all for the, uh, the, the, uh, the metric system. Um, and the quick math on that, I know you're a CPA, Michelle, can you do the quick math on, on how many times he had to go up and down that in order to get, uh, get 29 feet?
2: Well, you said it was 900 meters, but wouldn't it be more like 900 feet to get 29,000 feet?
0: It it was was 900 meters was how long the hill was. It was a little bit over half a mile. Uh, 11%, he got about 450 feet feet for every time he climbed it. So in order to get uh, uh, the full 29,000, 29 feet, he had to do it 60 times.
2: Like 60, yeah, I mean, that's crazy.
0: 60 times 60 times up down up down up down how long did it Um, take him eight hours and four minutes and six seconds
2: and Um, what was his rest like did he get on and off the bike or not
0: really no he just and did what it.
2: is he taking for nutrition during so this? He, he was
0: doing ba- he he was ba- doing the sort of nutrition you would expect cyclists to use, like bananas and gels and all that sort of thing. Um, he was just kind of doing all of that. Um, he actually got up over fifty five miles per hour on the descent, so he's screaming wow. down this descent. And he had a
2: crew there, like he had. So a whole... He had he
0: had, a, he had a buddy that was doing it with him, and then he had a couple okay. of people to support him along the way. He he actually um, was doing. I mean, this is
2: some retirement, you know.
0: <laughs> worst retirement ever. Like you said, hashtag worst, worst retirement ever. Retirement ever. He, he averaged for those of you who use wattages, he averaged 259 Watts for the whole ride. Uh, his normalized power for the whole ride was about 285 uh, Watts. normalized power for over eight hours, which is high. Y'all take my word for it, um, for, it. for eight hours <laughs> worth of riding. Um, and so, uh, I think, I think Michelle's favorite quotation from the article I sent y'all was that, what, I had vomit in my beard, he said. Yeah,
2: gross. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, So people, I want some of that.
2: <laughs> well, you don't have a beard.
0: <laughs> so, okay, well, so I'm thinking about doing it in early July. So maybe to, cool. like, replace the PCR race, maybe we'll do it on July 4th. And so that gives me enough time to now and then to actually grow a beard. And then I can do virtual Everesting, which they actually have on Zwift. It's an actual thing. Um, and the, the commissioner, the organization that like oversees and ratifies Everesting Attempts, which is based in Australia, they actually recognize a virtual version of Everesting on Zwift. And I could do it on Zwift. And I, I actually was reading about today. I was reading do all you the you really think things. you're
2: going to survive that on so Zwift? I can,
0: so I can, I can grow a beard and then puke <laughs> in it.
2: Okay. What I do you mean, think, do Patrick?
0: Have fun with that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let us know how it goes. <laughs>
0: so, well, tell me this. Yeah. Tell me, all right, tell me this. If I did it, if I did it, and if I like set up, you know, like a like a Zoom chat room or something like that, would y'all pop in from time to time throughout the course of the day and say hello?
2: Yeah, totally. And also remind yeah. you how ridiculous what you are doing is. <laughs>
0: yeah, hopefully you would come like, I don't know, would that be helpful early on or later on in the process? I feel like maybe later on in the process, if you came, I think you'd, you'd want people,
2: way more people and way more people to deter your thinking and your mental focus later on so that mm-hmm. you're not thinking about climbing this hill again
0: maybe but, so next week this time next week when we come on the podcast uh, i will be done with the tour of sufferlandia and i would have i will have attempted to ride up the out de Zwift. and the out de Zwift, in order to everest you have to do about eight eight and a half times up and so i will do it one time and i will report back whether i think it was a good idea after all Sound like a plan? And that'll
2: give you some idea of whether you actually want to do virtual Evist. In exactly.
0: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Can't so, wait to hear about it. <laughs> so this is, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm reframing things. And so, so we talked about Michelle, Michelle, you are replacing one thing with another thing. You're keeping the date circle on your calendar, which I like. Patrick is, is just going ahead and starting his, his, his transition season, racking up some miles and, and already looking forward to next year to sort of writing off the calendar. Me, I am embracing all the virtual challenges I can find and, and trying to find new and interesting ways to challenge myself. Let's talk about things bringing us joy real quick here and then we'll wrap it up. Um, Michelle, I like yours. Tell, tell us what's bringing you joy.
2: Sure. So I had a big goal during the quarantine. Um, I wasn't sure how long it was going to last, but I have a five-year-old that turned six on Monday and I wanted to get her riding a two-wheeler. So I um, had a friend from ITL help me assemble the bike and by help. I mean, she came to my house, assembled the bike. (laughs) I sat on the garage floor and watched her Learned lots of good stuff. Um, I did a little bit, but, and took her out, uh, ripped off the training wheels on her old bike. I made her watch me do that. I took the wrench out of the toolbox, took them off, sat her on the bike in the grass. She fell over immediately. Um, and then just took her to a parking lot yesterday, went back, uh, lunchtime, let her play with it for about an hour went back after dinner she kind of got it and then went back today and uh yeah i couldn't get her off her bike today so i would say that went really well um i've i got two other girls that we've gotten on a two-wheeler it did not go as easy as this one so um she was super ambitious and as soon as she got it she was just like mommy get away from me don't help me anymore so that's great um awesome yeah
0: very cool very cool congrats so that is something that, yeah that's that's exciting
2: so george you have uh twin boys that are the same age as alana so uh-huh. how's their biking going
0: not as well as alana's <laughs> so so you you <laughs> I think you, it's time
2: to rip off their training wheels
0: you you are you are currently ahead of me in the parent of the year uh uh, <laughs> uh competition Hardly. so 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 <laughs> but but um with your doing that though i you have inspired me to to grab the brass ring a little bit more this yeah summer. So i mean that, that it seems a, to be a good project this summer
2: Seems to be a trend. I have a friend from summer camp who put her son on a bike today and one of Gavin's colleagues who texted me and I thought he wanted to talk about business. But really, he just wanted to ask me about getting a on a bike. Um, so, yeah, if it inspires other parents to get their kids out there, and rip the training wheels off, just go for it. You got awesome time now. So
0: very cool
1: maybe this is the summer i can take training wheels off my bike
2: (laughs) i'll help you patrick i'll take them off for you i know how to use a wrench whitney would be so proud don't Um, let go okay (laughs) and then i'll just push you i'll just push you off a little bit down a hill it's much easier to get started i know all the things about biking now so right
0: on right on so uh patrick what's bringing you joy uh you know
1: what's bringing me joy actually is rereading old books that i read in college and graduate school Mm -hmm. we are quarantined the (laughs) decad county library has been shut down for the last two months and so my only book choices are the ones i've I've owned from the last decade decade
2: and a half you know sometimes i think we're not a lot of old stuff (laughs) sometimes i think we're not as nerdy as other people think we are but then patrick comes along and talks about like what are you reading pride and prejudice like (laughs) <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, like what
0: are you Oh mean? no, Michelle, no, 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 make no, no, no mistake, no, no. we're that nerdy. <laughs> yeah, go ahead though, Patrick.
2: Yeah, first of all, I'm
1: glad people ever questioned the nerdiness, that sounds like at least as a step up that there's some uncertainty there. Now mostly just nonfiction. I love like nonfiction history and then all kinds of stuff. Um, yes, yeah, so that's bringing me joy, it's always fun to look back and, and read things um, that you know now feel and look different than they did 10-15 years ago when I was a younger, just as nerdy guy as I am now.
0: Right on. Patrick, tell me this. So tell me one book that either you read before and you loved and then you've reread it and you're like, you know what? It wasn't that great. Or a book that you read before and then you read it again. And you're like, you know what? That book stands up. Give me one of those two or both if you feel so inclined. But, but a book that either totally stood the test of time for you or did not at all stand the test of time for you
1: uh stood so the test, test of time definitely was on um, the martin luther king uh series written by taylor branch okay um that but that one that one's pretty long that's about three thousand pages it's yeah. even ideas it's split into three parts it's it's an extensive history it's taken about 30 years to write um
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that one obviously stood the test of time
0: right on Lives and there are my-
1: plenty others play anything by david halberstam Uh, whether it be the amateurs, uh, everything they had the best and the brightest, he's one of the, one of the best riders of the
0: 20th century. Right on. Very good. Very good. All right. So the thing that's bringing me joy, we'll mention real briefly here. Um, anybody who has listened to the podcast before might have picked up on, uh, one of my personal picadillos. And that's the fact that I don't give somebody kudos for anything to do on Strava unless they have actually given that Strava activity a name. Um, and mm-hmm. so if you have an automatic upload from Strava um, from your Garmin Connect or from something else like that, it will upload onto Strava and it'll simply call it Morning Run or Morning Ride or Lunch Run or Lunch Ride or Evening Run or Evening Ride. And if you scroll through your Strava feed of all the people that you follow, that's almost all of what you see,
2: right? And that bothers morning you? Morning
0: Ride, it drives me insane.
2: I never knew that.
0: Yeah, no. So you want people you to never knew go that? into
2: their no you want people to go into strava edit their run and title it yes no george people don't have time that's why there's an automatic upload
0: it is it is (laughs) so good that you said that because that segues directly into what's bringing me joy so I have always said that I won't give kudos to, the, to, the, to those, so, so now there is a new service called bandok.com, and that's <laughs> www.bandok.com, bandok.com, and you can go there and you sign up for a free account, and it connects with your Strava account, and then it will automatically replace whatever lame automatic name is there. And so if it's morning activity, morning ride, lunch run, evening activity, something else like that, it automatically replaces it with a snazzy new name.
2: So what's an example of what would it replace? Abandon the
0: search for truth. Settle for a good fantasy.
2: And it just Look, comes I got up a, with a few multiple? good years
0: left. If I want a Chips Ahoy, I'm having it. Waffles are just awesome bread. Fulfill the prophecy. What? Build a legacy. Okay. Manifest destiny.
2: We didn't talk about I love it that a good much, nap. but
0: sometimes it's the only thing getting me out of bed in the morning.
2: All right, George, we get whole it. Here's the whole damn planet George. wanted a piece of me. <laughs> Will These are that- money. <laughs> <laughs> Will that still work with the changes that happened this week with Strava? So,
0: so we'll see. Now, now we don't want to get too deep into the changes that happened with Strava. No, week, we definitely
2: – you we, guys can check out George's comments on the D.C. Rainmaker <laughs> article if you want to see George get deep with D.C. Rainmaker. No, <laughs>
0: no, we don't get deep. We just disagree a little bit. But, uh, a little bit. <laughs> but but – but, but. Uh, Strava did change the way they're doing things this week. They're they're, they're throwing more towards their subscribers. They're only gonna have one subscription level um, and you have to subscribe for a measly $5 a month um, if you want full access to their leaderboards and their route builders and their matched runs and a lot of the things they've been offering for free over the course of the past several years. Um, And so I was already a Strava subscriber. Um, I don't have a problem with Strava actually trying to become a profitable company at all. Um, They did, as DC Rainmaker pointed out, Kind of mess up the app developers of the forty-four thousand different apps that, <laughs> that that integrate with Strava because they didn't give enough grace period. They basically should have given them more of a heads up. I and mean, I they agree. basically
2: pulled the rug from underneath forty-four thousand people who which, which, control which, apps I, which, which, which I can appreciate.
0: Which which I think is a legit complaint. Um, but that being said, um, they will have some time to pivot, and I'm sure that they probably will. And I'm, I'm sure that, that they'll come around because Strava has become a pretty central part of the endurance sporting community, not just in the United States but around the world. Um, and And so, so yeah, we'll have to see whether Bandoc will still be able to integrate with Strava. I'm sure that they will because most of the changes had to do with leaderboards. Um, And so, since Bandoc is just naming your runs, um, and naming your rides, and naming your weight sessions, and all that sort of thing, I'm sure they won't have any problems. So, I'm going to do it. Go to Bandoc.com. You should do it, and you'll get (laughs) bad decisions make good stories.
2: (laughs) That's so true.
0: (laughs) I used to think I'm indecisive, but now I'm not sure. These are going to be great, Michelle. Abandon the search for truth. Settle for a good fantasy. All <laughs> names that they will put in there for you. And by the way, if you read the name, like if you go on Strava or if somebody like comments, what is up with this weird name or something like that? They you probably can, you love can, that. You can, you can actually put a frowny face on there and they'll change it for you automatically. Oh man. And if you feel like, you know what? These names aren't all that great. I could give better names. They actually have a repository where their subscribers can upload new names and they use the new names for everybody.
2: You are way hype about this.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm psyched. I'm psyched. So Tour Sufferlandia comes with all of its own name, ride names and all that sort of thing. And so, so obviously I'm not able to use this, but I'm, I'm actually excited to do just some sort of run-of-the-mill activity next week and have dot come in and give me a snazzy new route name. With that, everybody go out and sign up. Thanks for joining us, Michelle. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. Always enjoy it. <laughs> Michelle. Nothing to say, you don't always enjoy it.
2: <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to just stop the podcast after you said that. No, it's no. great. Happy to be here every Wednesday night with you guys.
0: <laughs> right on everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Pleasant Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. And you can always download our podcast from Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance, at ITLCoaching.com, on Twitter, at ITL Coaching, at Facebook, Facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. You can check out Blue Pineapple Travel at BluePineappleTravel.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BluePineappleTravel, or on Instagram, BluePineappleTravel. And finally, SlayerX. You can find them at SlayerX.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash here slayrx That's the number four, Slayer X On Instagram at here again the number four, and on Twitter at OfficialSlayRX. Don't forget the discount code PLEASANT2020. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger and Michelle Frank, this is George Darden. We appreciate you joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast.